1: Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national. We cover down on all the issues, and like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is a Tuesday. Welcome to Tuesday, which we call Camel Eve around here. But uh, it is a beautiful Tuesday afternoon, and Boomer's on the board. Hey, buddy. Hey. We're shaking.
2: Oh, you know, I'm here. I'm loving it. It's beautiful outside. <laughs> I'm just pushing buttons.
1: <laughs> you're just, you just pushing them all in the right order. As long as you're doing that, we're fine. Um, all right. Hey, good to see you, my man. Yes. Uh, hey, so we got a great show laid on for you today. At 3 o'clock today, we're going to break from the Triple Dipper and take a call from U.S. Senator Katie Britt. Uh, get a get a feel for what's been happening her first, you know, what, month and a half or so in office. We're going to find out uh, how life's going. She also recently made trips to the Middle East and a second trip to the southern border. So we're going to talk to U.S. Senator Katie Britt about her travels and get her thoughts on what she's seeing in terms of Biden's foreign policy and what the U.S. Senate can or cannot do about it. So that's 3 o'clock. U.S. Senator Katie Britt, you're going to want to stay tuned for that. And then at 4 o'clock, Erica Thomas. She's been on the show multiple times. Erica Thomas is one of the reporters at 1819 News, and she just wrote a very interesting piece. In fact, it's so funny because I I caught wind of something last night on the news and I texted Jeff Poor, who's the executive editor over there at 1819. I said, Hey man, did you see this? And he goes, Story's already up on 1819. I went, Oh, there you go. Erica Thomas wrote it. <laughs> She'll be here to talk about it at four o'clock, so stay tuned for that. And then I got a triple dipper par excellence. So hit it, buddy.
0: The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've gotta know.
1: That's right. The Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. Number one, I didn't get to it yesterday, so I'm starting off right out the gate. Policy versus reality. What happens when you've got a policy in place, something that is done by government, and then reality just does not at all match the outcome? Like, wow, that was a fail. We'll talk about it. Policy versus reality. Coming up number one on the Triple Dipper. Number two, Got to do it. Every once in a while, I'm running through the news, and I'm like, wow, that's woke. Woo! look at that wokeness. Wow, 10 pounds of woke. So, yep, we got it today. Number two on the Triple Dipper, Adventures in Woke World. And then number three, and this one one bugs me, I'll be honest with you, but there's a huge event that happened in uh, Atlanta over the weekend that is not getting near the amount of attention that it should. And I'm going to go ahead and say that number three of the Triple Dipper is going to outline some of that and more. And I'm calling it the War on Cops. So the War on Cops is number three on the Triple Dipper. Y'all stay tuned for that. All right, let me, uh, let me pivot over to my comments to open the show today. My opening monologue today, I got to tell you, last night, last night, probably like some of you, I watched in anger and frustration and some fascination as the long-held narrative that January 6, 2021, with a violent insurrection, just fell apart when the previously unseen videotape was finally released to the world. It's a story that needs to be told. But let's let's talk about the backstory, though. Let's talk about the violation of the public trust. Now, I'll, I'll preface it by saying some years back, I saw a legal case from start to finish. It was a case in which one individual had been wrongfully terminated by his employers who had made certain promises. And when it all came down to it, those employers, they chose to ax the employee rather than have to keep their original promises. In the case, sure, it turned on a number of legal theories. There was a theory of at-will employment versus contract. There was the legal premise of taking adverse action against someone because of their military service. There was also the question of whether or not the promises made had induced the former employee to forego other options in his life and whether that meant fraud. It was a legal case, sure. But more than that, though, it was a case involving actual betrayal, it was a case in which hopes were lifted and dashed, in which friendships proved to be only surface relationships. Eventually, the employee in that case who had been fired, he was able to prevail. A simple mediation resulted in him receiving some things that were due to him by agreement without having to pursue the matter all the way to a jury. So what did it? What was the, what was the kicker that, that put that thing into settlement? Was it the overwhelming evidence that led to the validity of the claims made? Was it the lawyers that had such amazing reputations for courtroom prowess? Could it be that the judge favored employment law victims? No, to all the above. Sure, it was a good case. The evidence was fairly strong in the terminated employee's favor. The judge was a good one, but he was also known to be fair and to evenly apply the law. The real thing, the real thing that drove that legal case to a successful conclusion was, wait for it, shame. Shame. You heard me right. It's, it's the real crushing blow to the defense in that case was the realization that while they might be able to argue their positions legally, that they could not do away with the claims made against them in the purely social sense. They knew that they themselves and their business and their own good names would have to stand in front of a jury of their peers and try to explain with a straight face why they felt they could get away with their actions. Why, even though they might have had some inkling of legal authority in their favor, that they could just, you know ignore the fact that everyone was going to see that they had lied. Shame did it. Shame brought them to their senses. Or at the very least, shame made them question their ability to get away with it. You see, there's a lot to be said for allowing a little sunlight to not only expose a stain, but also to wash it out. Bringing those matters out of the shadows and laying them bare in the hard light of day is what moved that case that I'm talking about to a successful conclusion. Well, yesterday, with regard to the so-called January 6th insurrection, we finally saw actual sunlight washing over the story that had been thrust on the American public for the last two years. So in case you haven't heard, let me just back it up and fill in the blanks for you. On Monday night, last night, March 6, 2023, two years and two months to the day after the events of January 6, 2021, Tucker Carlson on Fox News was able to bring the first installment of his expose on the unredacted surveillance video from the Capitol. You see, upon taking office and assuming GOP control of the Congress, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy kept his word and he released all 41,000 hours of surveillance video that had previously been kept under wraps. (laughs) By his own admission, Tucker Carlson made note that much of the video was innocuous. It contained hours of empty hallway footage, but there were also many, many, many portions of the unredacted video that completely destroyed the narrative that had been foisted on the U.S. public for the past two years. So completely that I can't help but wonder now if the leaders of the House January 6th Commission and other Democrat leaders and members of the press, they might not possibly be experiencing some degree of shame today. Shame at being caught at the very least. Shame from knowing that betrayal is now in the eyes of the American public. You see, shame can be a motivator. And I wonder if the members of that commission who so overwhelmingly told us of the awful and heinous attempts by armed citizens to overthrow their own government for the past two years might not feel a bit of shame as the story began to disintegrate in front of their very eyes. Shame from making those stories so bare and unadulterated that people have had their lives upended because of it. Criminal charges and plea deals and trials have all been occurring that have resulted in people losing their livelihoods, their families, their freedoms. And I wonder if anyone who perpetrated those falsehoods thought for even a second that, you know, hey, those who've been accused might have a right to see this video since it includes layer upon layer of exculpatory evidence. Make no mistake, this has been a betrayal. It is something that many of us have known in our gut but did not have the videotape yet to prove. We could feel the gross lies, but we couldn't lay them bare yet in the bold light of day, and now we can. The lies were levied for purely partisan political reasons. The lies were used to send people to jail for the simple purpose of propping up the narrative that violence and mayhem and insurrection were perpetrated, and yet in the bright light of day, we can now watch in fascination and not a little bit of disgust, as Capitol Police opened doors and waved people in and let them take selfies and even toured them around to show them the next hallways and even opened doors and gave them access to the House and Senate chambers. At one point, the crazy dude with the horns who became known as the QAnon shaman, he's seen walking peacefully as Capitol Police lead him from one door to another to help him find a way into the House chamber. Even at one point, he's standing there calmly with upwards of nine Capitol Police officers who just seem to be rather amused by him. Well, that guy, the QAnon shaman, he's now serving four years in prison. And I wonder if he was given access to these videotapes before being pressured into his plea deal. So I'm not going to pull punches. The video made me mad. I'll be honest with you. It did. Ash Charlene. I had a few things to say out loud. The video shows that we've been lied to again and again and again. It shows that people who were elected to defend the public trust chose to violate that trust again and again and again. I'm curious how long it's going to take before the civil lawsuits and the criminal appeals begin. Time and effort in court because the light of day is exposed an entirely different narrative. A narrative that brings a new and different version of events to the forefront. A new narrative that should elicit feelings of outright shame among the chattering class and the left-wing demagogues who told us that they had our back. It's betrayal. There should be consequences, and I hope that there are. It's gross lies and videotape, and hopefully a pound of shame. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way. Well, there you have it. If you have watched it, I want to encourage you. I mean, it's not like I often refer you to a news story or something to go watch, but I guarantee you if you go to the foxnews.com website, you can find access to last night's expose, and tonight is round two. It was the majority of his show last night. And I'm going to tell you, it was worth every second to watch it. It was amazing. And it truly just blows a hole in the narrative. Were there bad things that happened that day? Sure. Were there people who shouldn't have done some things they did? Sure. Maybe even some go to jail. But it is nothing like the image that we were forced to have to listen to over and over again for the last two year plus. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Making it cool to be a conservative. Uh, text lines are open. You want to text or call in, for that matter, 833-687-4448. That's 833 68 right I'm curious uh, how any of you thought that the uh, if you if you watched the Tucker Carlson expose on um, the uh, the videotape from January 6, what your thoughts on it were. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. To me, and and I won't if you if you feel like it still supports the narrative of the January 6 Commission, I'd I'd love to hear that. If you think it was not as big a deal as Carlson made it out to be, I'd love to hear that too. If you join me in believing that it proves that we have been lied to for the last two years plus, I'd like to hear that. Uh, because to me it was it was it was, you know, it was pretty legit. I mean, it's hard to argue with video they even had he, he even he even brought out videotape that had been used in the January 6th Commission's, you know, presentations and showed the unedited versions that gave you an entirely different perspective. I mean, that kind of thing is just maddening. In a court of law, we cannot get away with, you know. Controlling the narrative so intensely that we actually alter the evidence to suit us—you can't do it. You have to provide the the unadulterated evidence. You can show a segment, but you have to. You the the, the other side reserves the right to have it played in its entirety. You know, if you try to read out a section of a um, a deposition. The other side has the right to say, Your Honor, I object. We need to read this in context. He's trying to misconstrue the meaning of the testimony. You, I mean, so all said and done, the January 6th commission just completely distorted the evidence. And, oh, by the way, they suppressed it. So when is that okay? Never. How about, <laughs> just let's, let's give it a short, never. It's not okay. Especially when you consider that there are people now in jail. There are people who have already entered into plea bargains that may have had the opportunity to have their um, at least their situation mitigated, if not have it you know, completely thrown out because the videotapes are amazing. And they show, in fact, I, I, here's one of the things that just really got me. So, so yes, there were moments when it was, it was pretty rough, and there were moments when the crowds were pushing through gates outside. I'm not saying everything was perfect that day. I'm not trying to say the whole thing was benign, because there were people who got out of hand, and they need to be dealt with, and I get it. But the reality is, we, we, we have the, the January 6th Commission and the media, for that matter, colluding to put together a storyline that doesn't match the history of what really took place, even to the extent that they hired a guy. They hired a guy who was a producer from Good Morning America, and his job was to come in and make it all you know, more visually appealing. He even added the sounds of, of angry crowds to the pictures of people. So when you see crowds in the, in the rotunda of the Capitol, if you took out the sound, you realize they may just be milling around pointing things out to each other and taking selfies. But when you add in the disturbing sounds of like an angry crowd, all of a sudden, daggum, this is this is legit, this is big doings. Well, that kind of stuff can't happen. I'll tell you one of the most egregious to, to me is what they did to some of their own members in Congress. So Senator Josh Hawley and, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Congressman Loudermilk from Georgia, I believe. So Loudermilk was accused by the January 6th commission of giving people reconnaissance missions the day before so they would know exactly what hallway to go down. What? Now, first of all, if like some of you, I hope you have, if you haven't, please do it. I've been to the Capitol several times. And on one occasion, I actually asked, can we get a a Capitol tour? And sure enough, staff members, in that case from uh, Congressman Gary Palmer's office, toured us through the uh, Capitol building. It was great pointing out things I never knew were there, showing us stuff. That's what they do. I showed up on one visit, uh, and I unannounced walked into the House chamber, because you can do that, and there was uh, Congressman Robert Adderholt with a group of people from Gadsden, of all places, where I'm from. And so we sat down with them and, and listened to him give the history of the chamber. What I'm trying to say is congressmen do that all the time. The video showed an entirely different circumstance. They accused Loudermilk of helping with a reconnaissance mission for right-wingers, and then you look at it later on, it's like moms and dads and kids taking selfies and, you know, being told what the statues mean. The other one, though, was Senator Josh Hawley. What they did to him was just, to me, just unreal. They tried to portray him as a coward. They even made light of him. They even, they even played a video which appeared to show him trotting out of the chamber and across a hallway to safety when they were evacuating all the members of, of the House and Senate. And as he is trotting across, that's all they showed. And then they mocked him for it. Mocked him to the extent that the crowd who was watching the video being presented laughed at Senator Josh Hawley as he's being basically called a coward for vacating the building quickly. And yet when you saw the whole unedited video, what you realize was Hawley was the last one to leave. He was behind about 20 others who trotted out ahead of him, and then he was the last one to come out. Entirely different perspective when you do it that way, isn't it? But that's the kind of thing that they needed to help their narrative. That's the kind of thing they needed to shut down the people who might dissent. So yeah, I mean, and, and where the text lines are going now? Um, Tim, Tim from Madison, uh, just texted it up. Oh, my text line's quit working. He says uh, they're all liars and they should even put in jail. And then he said he should be let free. And I'm assuming what he means is the uh, the uh, uh, the dude with the horns. Um, Jeff uh, from Green Hill, Alabama, just said, uh, man, my text line is working so slow, Boomer, I can't get to open it. Here he goes. More evidence of the police state that we're becoming we've been lied to. Well, I hope that's not true. I'm hoping us finding out about it is, is reversing some of that. Susan from Elkmont. Heard another podcast that the shaman's defense team was refused access to the video. They were told it was classified. I don't doubt it. Missy from Balk- Falkville, You're absolutely right. We were lied to and deceived by convenient editing. Jenny from Decatur. This was literally about the left's hatred of Trump. Horrible. Some people indeed got out of hand, but all in all, it was a pretend movie, just ludicrous. All right, folks, we're gonna come right back. Moving to the triple dipper: policy versus reality. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right, covering down on some major ground across the beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way on down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, parts of going back from Tuscaloosa back over to and parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, Boomer. I'm just, like, slinging it, man. There's too, too many. <laughs> um, all right, number one of the triple dipper, policy Versus reality, and by the way, stay tuned because top of the hour we're going to be talking with U.S. Senator Katie Britt and uh, get uh, get some info from her on what she's been up to. I know she's traveled to the southern border twice and to the Middle East, so we'll talk to Senator Britt here in about thirty minutes. But right now, policy versus reality. So what what about you know there are times when you see laws put in place and you're thinking, huh, that ain't going to work. That's that's not going to turn out well. Well, like for instance. Here's here's a for instance, policy versus reality. You set the policy or you establish the law, the reality comes out quite different, like this one. Story right now, sitting up on Fox News' website. I saw it just before the show started. I thought, well, I'm just going to go ahead and lead off with that. Here's the headline for you. Two children dead after a Democrat-backed law prohibits the police from pursuing suspects who were driving at 111 miles per hour. So so here's the storyline. Um, A Washington state sheriff is apparently calling out the the Democrat-backed law that bars police from chasing after criminals from certain crimes. In other words, you've announced to the world, hey, if you can make it to your car after committing certain crimes, yeah, the police are not allowed to chase you. And what happened? The guys who committed the crimes jumped in their car, hit 111 miles per hour, had a major accident, killed two children. Maybe if they had been allowed to be pursued by police, it might have been a different story. But instead, you got a situation where awful policy, stupid ideas, wind up creating a reality that's totally different than what they thought it would. Well, there was a story that came off of Fox News also uh, yesterday. What's today? No, today, actually. And here's the headline for it, because this is happening nationwide right now. The headline is, is progressive fever finally breaking? Five signs that Americans are getting fed up with woke politicians and policies. So it lists five examples of things that are happening that's like, whoa, that didn't settle in the way they thought it would. So here's the first one. Uh, first of all, Joe Biden, it says, shocked leftists by declaring that he's going to veto Washington, D.C.'s new soft on crime bill, leaving 173 House Democrats who voted for it twisting in the wind. <laughs> I'll come back to that and tell you what that means in a minute. Number two, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot gets unceremoniously dumped by voters and pro-cop Democrat leads the initial round of voting. Nice. Number three, Puffin Books faces outrage by vowing to make Roald Dahl's iconic books like Willy Wonka and the others make those books woke and quickly announces it will actually now continue to publish the original versions. Okay. Okay. Next one, boycott Hershey, hashtag boycott Hershey, trends on Twitter for two days as critics bash the ad campaign that honors women by featuring a transgender activist. Mm. And number five, the Board of Governors at the University of North Carolina has now voted to ban diversity, equity, and inclusion statements in the connection with their hiring and admissions processes. So all I'm saying is those are major woke policies. Those are things that are happening. And the blowback on them has been so significant that it's creating an alternative. And the reality is not what they thought it would be when they put the woke policy in place. The thing with Joe Biden, that's been almost laughable. So Joe Biden, oh, I believe in D.C. statehood. I believe that, you know, D.C., we don't need to get involved in their business. When the Washington, D.C. City Council wants to do something, we need to treat it like a state legislature. They just need to pass those laws. Well, they were passing this super, super soft on crime thing right there in the law, right in the middle of, you know, the, the the capital environment. And Democrats were told that Joe Biden would veto it if it ever got to his desk, If if they had a, if congressional action was taken to, override DC city council. He said he would, he said he would, he basically told oh, you have to worry about me. I believe in DC statehood. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that. <laughs> except that, <laughs> except now he's not going to veto it. Um, he, he, the, 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 basically, he, I'm sorry that he will allow for the law to be passed banning DC's uh, efforts. Well, it's got, it's got Democrats all in a kerfuffle because they say they voted for the bill Believing that he would then not let it happen. Well, I got news. Vote your conscience, y'all. Don't wait on the executive branch to do your work for you. But in the meantime, what's happening is even Joe Biden can't go with this one. How about this? Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I talked about on the show the other day. The first governor in Chicago, the first one in 40 years to not win re-election. Why? Because crime is through the roof in Chicago. That's why. Because people are sick of it. In her first year in office, she promised to cut the Chicago police budget by $80 million. And a year later, she was begging the federal government for help because the, soar, the crime rate was soaring. What did she think was going to happen? Everybody will rush to me. It will be nirvana. It will be wonderful. We shall have a utopia. Nope, didn't work out. I could go on and on. but the, and, and I'll be honest with you, too. The thing about uh, Hershey's, if you have not seen it, Hershey's candy bars. Hershey's chocolate. This is candy. Hershey's candy bars decided to celebrate women's, you know, Women's History Month, and how did they do it? They got five separate activists. You know, not, they didn't celebrate moms. They didn't celebrate hardworking women of industry. They didn't celebrate, you know. Uh, uh, what was her name? Rosie the Riveter. They didn't celebrate anything that has, you know, sort of a, a sense of honor and work. They, they honored activists. And one of those, by the way, is not even a woman. It's a dude who wears a dress, a transgender activist. Was her, his face is on the, on, the, on the front of a Hershey candy bar to celebrate Women's Month and Hershey's face and a blowback from it. Well, you look at these kind of things, and you think, OK, the policy and the reality, two different things. Another story, this one actually came from, um, this one right here comes from uh, National Review. Great story. And I hate the fact that I feel like we're always, Boomer, I hate like we're always be- beating up on Oregon, man. But they kind of they, they, they they earned it, <laughs> they, though, right?
2: They definitely earned it. <laughs> I'm just, it's, they're, they're, they're a little cuckoo up there right it's now. It's
1: a low-hanging fruit, man. I'm just grabbing yeah. that low-hanging fruit. That's
2: exactly right. But
1: here's a policy that went badly. Soft on crime in Portland has gotten so bad that, that literally now Walmart is closing down. Walmart. Walmart. Yeah, like Walmart said that we're done. Walmart. You know
2: something's wrong when Walmart closes. Well, I'm
1: saying. Well, that's what's happening. <laughs> wow. Nation, National Review story came out this past weekend. Walmart announces this plan to close its final two locations in Portland, Oregon at the end of March. It says we have nearly 5,000 stores across the U.S. and unfortunately some do not meet our financial expectations. Well, these closures... Are going to result in nearly 600 employees being laid off. Mm. And it's all because of record breaking retail theft, and the laws of that area have made it so easy to be a criminal that Walmart says, We're done. Uh, they've already lost Nike and Cracker Barrel locations in the area. And then they've also lost a number of small businesses that just can't maintain. So, yeah, there's an idea. Tighten up on crime, maybe. How about that? Maybe, maybe, maybe the policies are not matching the reality. Here's another one from National Review. Oh, dude, it's Oregon again. Another Oregon. (laughs) I think Oregon's a beautiful state. It's gorgeous. But they're just whacked. Yes. They're whacked. (laughs) They're like the Joker card, man. They're whacked. So uh, the results are in. Headline, National Review, dated today. Results are in. Oregon's free community college program failed to deliver. So here's an idea we're going to do. We're going to give a free community college to everybody. Everybody, all y'all. Everybody wants it. Come on in. Whoop, whoop. Didn't work. Says the free community college program will be a win for students. More of whom would earn college degrees and get better paying jobs. I get it. It's wonderful. It would also be a plus for the state, which would get more tax revenue from all the new college grads with higher salaries. Yeah. They were hailed as a national leader in the free college movement, being championed by then-President Barack Obama and Democrat Socialist Bernie Sanders. Eight years later, the program called Oregon Promises and Tatters and maybe on the chopping block. It has helped a small number of students go to college, but most of them still can't afford the costs of doing so. Most of the folks who it's trying to address still don't have the means to go to school because they actually have to work to pay their bills. Critics were informed that Oregon's program would not actually help the state's neediest students. Hmm, what? (laughs) It uses what's called a last dollar funding model, meaning you have to exhaust all other means of revenue like Pell Grants and scholarships first. But nonetheless, the policy is not matching the reality. How about this? This is a story from Fox dated two days ago. Adams says Lightfoot defeat serves as a warning sign for the country. You know it's bad when the Democrats are saying, you see what happened to Lori Lightfoot? Dude, we better tighten up. That's exactly what's happening. New York Mayor Eric Adams said Sunday that his fellow Democrat Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's election defeat last week should serve as a warning sign for the whole country. He went on to say that public safety is one of his prerequisites. Okay, better tighten up a little bit there, Mayor. Asked if he considered what happened to Lightfoot, a warning sign for him in New York, Adams kind of said kind of the contrary. I think it's a warning sign for the whole country, meaning he sees it and he agrees. It's a clear indication that the policies that she was putting out did not match the reality and the voters of that area. Overwhelmingly Democrat, by the way, but chose to vote for another Democrat who had different policies. I'm just saying policy and reality. different things. And woke policies are failing left and right. And the question becomes now, have we finally gotten to the point that we're going to put the boot to them? And I don't know. We'll see. Boomer, take me to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back and wrap this section up. Number one of the triple dipper, policy versus reality. And then top of the hour, U.S. Senator Katie Britt calling in right after that commercial break. All right, you guys, y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. Williams, right side radio, solid conservative and just plain right. That bump boomer, when we did the interview with Ted Nugent uh, a while back, what? Uh, oh, which, yes. And it was during one of the breaks, I think, so we don't actually have it played on the show, but he, he grabbed his guitar at one point and started riffing something. Was it that? Was it Stranglehold? Yes. I think it was. It was Stranglehold. Yes, I think it was. It was right
2: after he, uh, he, he cussed he you out. He cussed me out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty funny. So, so those of y'all that don't remember, look back through our podcast and find the interview we did with Ted Nugent, which I think was August of last year. And, uh, and, and we're headed out to a, to a break, and, and Boomer hit the outro music, and, and it was Aerosmith. Yes. And, and, and I saw Nugent's face get kind of a funny look, and he we, we went to break, and he goes, Boomer, you S.O.B.? <laughs> you got Ted Nugent on the show, and you play Aerosmith? And then he grabbed his guitar and goes, use this next time. And he just started, started just jamming, you know, just putting up uh, some uh, stranglehold. It was, it was pretty awesome. It was one of those surreal moments. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing the show, and I got Ted Nugent on here playing guitar live. Um, pretty awesome. We need to find that. We have to beep out the, uh, the part where he cussed you out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Hey, back to uh, finishing up this segment on um, policy versus reality. So here's another one. Uh, This is like the second one I've had from uh, National Review. Uh, National Review dated yesterday. Here's the headline. We cannot have EVs without the E. That makes sense. We can't have electric vehicles without electricity is what he's saying. So he goes on to say, shifting energy use towards renewable resources imposes significant costs on consumers who, given the choice, overwhelmingly opt for cheaper and more reliable fossil fuel sources. Electrifications of cars and appliances also creates its own cost in the form of additional electricity generation. What he's basically saying is, if you're going to start putting more people in the plug-in world, you better have some juice for them to plug in too. There's the Phil Williams version. But he goes on to say, Without a large reduction in miles driven, the electrification of all or even most passenger vehicles would increase the per capita demand for electric power by about 25 percent. In other words, here's the deal. Policy versus reality. We're going to have everybody electrified by the year 2035. We're not going to even need to have, you know, gas pumps no more. It's going to be great. Okay. Okay. Well, you better find a way to increase the grid by at least 25% because that's the estimate of what you're doing to the grid by forcing everybody to plug their vehicles in and charge them up. It says more than 70% of the baseline electricity generation would have to be retired and another 11% nuclear would not expand. So just putting the 25% in perspective, in perspective though, that's going to be a major grid enhancement. President Biden is pledging to do all this, though. Cutting out fossil fuel generation. And at the same time, it says in the article, an additional 1 billion megawatt hours would be necessary to power all of the new electric cars and stoves, etc. And we estimate this would cost another $250 billion annually. That brings the total cost of the Green New Deal to almost 2% of the GDP. And the cost would be disproportionately borne by the states that are having to do away with their energy resource drilling. So there's a policy versus reality. Oh, cool, electric vehicles, that's great. Greta Thunberg will give you an award. It'll be awesome. Oh, wait a minute. The electricity has to come from somewhere. We can't have the EVs without the E's. Yeah, well, that's that's true. And the grid cannot currently sustain. You're looking at a 25% increase in the grid. Meanwhile, Yahoo Finance has a piece that came out today that literally says that the thirst for oil and gas is is, is rising despite the overwhelming push for electric vehicles. And it goes on to point out that, yeah, sure, during COVID we had a bit of a dip because nobody was driving, but now that everybody is, and then it says in China, Chinese oil consumption is poised to hit a record this year. Daily demand will reach an all-time high of 16 million barrels a day in China alone. And the impending crunch right now shows that even as the world embraces cleaner sources of energy, the thirst for oil is hard to slake, and the supply pinch has been a boon for crude producers. And it goes on to say, though, but hey, but the U.S., the U.S. is not helping in this. We are reducing our output. Mm, Reducing our output despite the increase in demand. So we're going to go ahead and, and just say, you know... We're just not going to, you know, we're going to go ahead and have a self-inflicted wound. That's exactly what that is. Policy versus reality. While other countries, they're letting their demand increase and their production increase. And when the demand increases and production increases at their sites, they increase their productivity and their GDP goes up because they're producing more. Whereas we are limiting ourselves for what good reason? None. All right, I think the last one I may have, policy versus reality. How long did the masking thing go on? It's still going on in some places, apparently. I did not know this. There are places that are still requiring masks. Story on Fox Business, dated two days ago. The New York City police are now telling businesses they should require customers to take off their masks. <laughs> Why? Why? because it's become an awesome opportunity for people to do retail theft. They walk in with a mask already on. Nobody thinks a thing about it. Remember back in the day, if somebody walked in with a mask, you were immediately on your guard. What's he up to? What's she doing? Why are they, why are they wearing masks? What's going on? Hey, you. Now it's like, oh, I can't see your face. Oh, you're wearing sunglasses and a hoodie too? Cool. Come on in. Next thing you know, surveillance cameras can't do their work. So NYPD chief... Jeffrey Madry said during a press conference last week that masks are making it possible for thieves to escape detection on video surveillance. And he's encouraging businesses to require masks now to be taken off. (laughs) Because, because, boomers is laughing, because policy, policy is not matching reality. There you go. All right, that's enough of that one. Hey, we're going to come right back here in a minute after this next break. Uh, U.S. Senator Katie Britt will be calling in. Uh, We'll hear what she's got to say about how things are going, you know, sort of jumping in feet first, man. I mean, if you watch the news, uh, she has not been idle. Uh, She did not uh, sort of take her time getting up there and getting busy. Having been the former chief of staff for uh, uh, U.S. Senator Richard Shelby, she already knew her way around the Capitol building. But now she's the U.S. Senator herself. And now we've got uh, uh, her making trips to the Middle East and uh, and also uh, I think at least two trips down to the southern border. So we will talk to U.S. Senator Katie Britt right after this break, get a feel for how things are going, get her thoughts on what about those trips? What does she see in terms of what we need to do differently than what the Biden administration might be not leading on? All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right.
0: You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right.
1: Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams, here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. We cover down on all of it, and like the dude said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna pause from the triple dipper now and just take a moment to uh, to bring on one of our elected officials, one of our U.S. delegation, uh, U.S. Senator Katie Britt has been on the show uh, several times, most recently in studio. But since that time, I mean, she has jumped right in, uh, gotten her feet uh, wet as if they weren't already wet uh, in her new role as a U.S. Senator. Uh, she has been assigned uh, to uh, represent Alabama on the Senate Committee on Appropriations. She is also now the ranking member. Uh, of the Homeland Security Subcommittee, among other committee assignments. And uh, my understanding is she's already made at least one trip to the Middle East and multiple trips to the southern border. And I thought, you know what, it's just time to get an update from our U.S. senator. So without further ado, uh, let me bring her on. Senator Katie Britt, how you doing? Remember, we still got her? Oh. Can you hear me? Uh, we can now. How you doing, Senator? Okay,
3: good. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be on. I, I really appreciate it. We have a lot of uh, things to talk about and cover, so um, I, I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you. Hey, let me ask you this, though. First of all, I mean, you, 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 your campaign, you made no bones about the fact that you are, you are a mom, you're a family person, uh, you and your husband raising two beautiful kids, and uh, how, how's the family adjusting to the fact that you're now a U.S. Senator?
3: You know, um, I will have to say, I know that every month, every, you know, um, will will not be good, but we have really had a good first two months in making the most of it. Um, Our children have been incredibly resilient. We've been trying to be very intentional. Um, I am thankful for modern technology that allows me to FaceTime into dinner and sit there with Um, sit there with my food while they're sitting there with theirs and hear about their day. Um, Also being able to do devotion with my daughter at night um, via FaceTime, you know, things that we would typically do uh, together. And then even this past week, I had my very first uh, virtual dial-in there uh, via FaceTime to a track meet, which was (laughs) so fun to watch. So we're, we're doing the best we can. And I think I think about it, and I know it pales in comparison to the sacrifice our servicemen and women make. Um, and then I know every family across the state is doing their best, whether it's picking up extra jobs or um, having to go in early or work long shifts. So, um, so this is just you know our, our way, our family's way to to serve.
1: Well, and I'll be honest with you. I love hearing you say that about being intentional, because you know this this there's no way around that. Parenting has got to be intentional, whether you're at home or abroad. And and so anyway, I'm glad to hear that that's the case. And I'm I'm loving the fact that technology is supporting it.
3: Yes. Yes, me too. It um, it was fun. I was my daughter was FaceTiming my son in the track meet, and then lo and behold, my very best friend from growing up, her daughter was in the next heat, and I so I started you know go lane, go lane, and they said, well wait a second, is Katie here? Uh, so they could hear me on FaceTime uh, cheering, and so it was just it's it's neat what technology has done. It certainly helps us if we can't be there in person, at least get to experience the moment.
1: Well, good enough, and and, and glad of it, and uh, tell your husband hello. Um, but um will do hey listen um so you 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 got you already had the lay of the land. I mean, you had been up in D.C. Uh, working for your predecessor, uh, Senator Shelby. And so you knew the way around. You knew where the different hallways were and stuff. But then you've got your own assignments now. You truly are making your own mark. And, uh, and one of the things that caught my attention was you've been doing some travel. You've not been idle at all. You're not just a, a, you know, a, a wallflower or, for that matter, just a, an office rat. You, you've been in the Middle East already in two months. And how many That's trips great. to the southern border?
3: Yes. So um, I have said that President Biden has been to the border for three hours and two years. And in uh, two months, I have been three times. So certainly have been proud to get down to the border to ask um, tough questions and to also ask for the real unvarnished truth and response. You know, I want to see what it's like every day. I don't want a cleaned up version um, of what of what they hope I can I can see, because in order for me to do my job as the ranking member of the Homeland Security Appropriation Subcommittee, I've got to dig in. I've got to learn. I've got to ask tough questions and I've got to figure out um, what we can do differently to secure our border um, to make sure that we end the travesty that's occurring there every single day.
1: All right, so so southern border, let's take that one first. What did you see and what can we do different? While while the Biden administration is still in place, what can we still do different to uh to change the narrative?
3: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you know, when you meet with border patrol agents First off, I want to thank them for what they're doing. We met with our border patrol agents. We met with law enforcement. We met National Guard, men and women, um, you know, people that are putting themselves on the line every day to, to make sure that we, we get this right. But honestly, what you hear from them is uh, particularly our border patrol agents have been demoralized. They said, look, we took an oath of office to patrol our border, to keep our border safe and strong. And we have been relegated under this administration. And these are their, their words. So not mine, to being inside and uh, being paper pushers or Uber drivers for migrants that are coming over. You know, they fear the end of Title 42 in, on May 11th because they say with what they're dealing with now and the influx they expect to come, um, it will most definitely be overwhelming. You know, I went to a stash house where I saw right after it had been raided, we showed up two minutes afterwards, and you see the conditions that these Migrants are living in. You look at what's happening at the border. I I patrolled the border uh, in a number of different ways, both on land, water, horseback, on the river, coast, the whole thing, um, to see it firsthand. And when you look at the faces of the, there's nothing humanitarian about what is going on down there. You have women who have been raped. Uh, I, I sat across from a woman who told me about being sold into sex slavery by the drug cartels. You ask the people how much they've had to pay to get there. I mean, now. Oh, it's so much that they traffic them. They use TikTok and other social media devices to draw them in. They pay an initial money. They bring them up. Then each of the cartels has a different space. You have to pay again to get through that next space. Then the ones that they tell you how much they gave, the ones who say they can't pay, they say, I have to pay later. They become indentured servants on our soil. And so whether it is human trafficking, sex trafficking, or drugs, it's disgusting. You look at the fentanyl that's coming over. I met with DEA agents. I mean, Phil, it would just we've got to get the word out. Um I know that you've seen the numbers in Alabama. We had to use Narcan fifteen times the first two months of our school year on our high school campuses, but the truth is, is that people are um overdosing on fentanyl that don't even know they're taking it because the Chinese have become so sophisticated the drug tells the drug cartels um have become so creative that they are putting it in things that people believe are Adderall, people believe is a Percocet, people believe um is a Xanax, those types of of um drugs that are actually coming from the black market and and people and children are dying.
1: So let me ask you this, so, um, and, and I, and I want to make sure we reserve some time for your Middle East trip, but, but, but the, the headline that I saw most recently was either Birmingham or Jefferson County. I'm not sure which. You know, they're very intertwined. Birmingham is in Jefferson County. Yes. But, yes. but that they, they have already hit 100 fentanyl overdoses just in the first two months of this year. Um, and 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 that's already ex- exceeding a bad record they had the year prior. So we're looking at it. It truly impacts, of course, your 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 constituencies, but it's it impacting the nation. You got a statesman like view on this. What can we do while Biden is still in office, knowing full well the executive branch may have some level of authority, but the legislative branch has to have a say? What are we going to see done?
3: I, I think we have to hold them accountable, and my avenue to do that will be through the appropriations process. So our very first um, hearing will be with Secretary Mayorkas, and it is my goal to be as prepared as possible so that we can ask those tough questions, to say to him, we are losing over 300 people a day to fentanyl overdoses in this nation. That is like an airline uh, carrier going down every single day in this country, and if that visual were happening, Americans would deserve answers. Well, they deserve answers today. When we talk about what we're doing on the border, um, we've got to make sure that we are equipping our border patrol agents with the best technology. They talk about the technology of the drug cartels and that it is far superior, that drug cartels obviously don't have to deal with any red tape. We're letting drug cartels not only run our border but profit from it. We've got to change that dynamic. We have to empower law enforcement officers. We have to empower these border patrol agents. And then we have to be real. When you look at looking to be fiscally responsible and you, you You look at kind of what we're spending and how we're spending it. I mean, I was amazed by some of the numbers that I was given, Phil, at the border. And in those conversations, um, not only, you know, what we are expending there, but then also who all is coming across. When it comes to a national security um, space, we know we've created a hotbed of terrorism there in Afghanistan because of Biden's disastrous withdrawal. We know that those very same people are coming across our border. In addition to those people, uh, these known terrorists that we are catching at our border, and just to make sure that we're on the same page, in 21, we had 16 known terrorists caught at the border. In 22, we had over to date, year to date, fiscal year 23, we've already had 53 known terrorists caught in the border. That's what we've caught. That is not in the three hundred and fifty thousand known gotaways that we didn't get to because our Border Patrol agents were inside pushing papers. But in those numbers, just in the sector that I visited this past weekend and the Rio Grande sector alone, we had an uptick of four hundred and eighty eight percent in Chinese nationalist caught at the border. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that once again, uh, China is 10 steps ahead of us and they are utilizing Biden's failed, broken border policies to infiltrate our nation. And we've got to be smart. I'm going to push back through the appropriations process, particularly given the perch there, um, Homeland Security ranking member. We've got to continue beating the drum and we've got to continue talking about it. I think they are feeling the pressure. You've started to hear even rumblings about putting back in some of the things remain in Mexico. Um, I think there's Starting to understand what Title 42 does, but you know, if people want to come to this country, they need to do it the right way through a port of entry. And coming across the line is totally unacceptable, and we need to put a stop to it.
1: That was an awesome segue. I just I sat there and just listened. That's a, and 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 I, and I hope that every bit of that uh, level of accountability comes true. And Senator, we only got about a minute and a half, but let me let me do this. Oh, I, no. I want. I want. It's okay. It was it was good info. I didn't want to stop you, but I do well, want to know this. ahead. Say I again.
3: I no, I just – I, I want to make sure from my trip, I, you know, had the opportunity to both hit Saudi Arabia and UAE. Yes. We met with the president there in UAE, and his um – message to us could not have been more clear. While it was hard to hear, it was necessary, particularly as I build a foundation with regards to, to national security and how we move forward. But he said our disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, exactly what we feared, sent ripple uh, sent a ripple effect through um, the entire globe, yep. where people question our ability, they question our strength, and they question our will. And he said, you know, when you're dealing with a relationship, when you lose respect for someone, you better hope you have trust. And he said, we don't trust you now either. He talked about um, being attacked on his own soil on January 17th, 2022, and the um, the lack of response from our our country. He said first I didn't expect you to spend boots on the ground, although I sent my sons to fight on the front lines of Afghanistan, although I, I, I went to Iraq. I did not expect that. I did not want that. But what I did want was an acknowledgement. He said when we're going through things like that, you know, it matters um if you if you believe you can trust the people that um, you call your allies, and you have you have been losing that across the globe. And well, his message very clear, um, and we needed to hear that because that's not that's not the kind of reputation we want to have, and and that's certainly not going to make sure that our country is safe and strong if that's how we do business. No,
1: and I, and I completely agree, and 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 I and I'm not surprised to hear that the ripple effects were real, and 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 I guess within. You know, as an Afghanistan vet myself, I'll just tell you that that, that I hope that someday soon someone's going to finally lose their job because there's not been a single person in either the DOD or in the civilian sector of, of, of overseeing that debacle that has ever once had to stand up and say, yeah, sorry about that, and I'm resigning because of it, but yet— we, we lost 13 service members at the gate of the Kabul airport, not to, and not to mention the rest of the debacle that, that, that told the Arab world that, you know, we're really not in it for the long haul right now, despite what some may say.
3: Bingo. Uh, Bingo. And he said specifically he cannot change the location of his country. So if the U.S. is unstable and unreliable, and he said, and by the way, when we watched that, not only did we not know you were doing it, but, you know, we could not believe that was the United States of America. But he said, I I can't move the location of my country. And then when you create a void like that, it's filled, but it's filled by people that you don't like and that aren't your friends.
1: Wow. Well, um, Senator Katie Britt, we burned through that time, but uh, it was all good stuff. I'd love to have you back on maybe and sort of of do a deep dive on some of those. But uh, for right now, thanks for your time. Thanks for Right Side Radio having a chance to hear from you. And uh, we'll have you back on again sometime soon.
3: Hey, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I I certainly look forward to it, Phil. All
1: right. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Boomer, take us to a break, brother. I ran that one Ray Long because it was, just, it was too good to put a stop to it. But, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the fact um, that, uh, that Senator Britt has remained accessible. And I'm also, by the way, uh, pretty impressed by the fact, and, and, I, and I don't say this lightly, that she's already made three trips to the border in two months. That means something. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. We're back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid and conservative and just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Uh, we're going to come back after this uh, this next break, and I'm not going to have much time between now and then. I, can just, I just ran long on that uh, Senator Britt interview, but uh, we'll come back and, and jump right into number two of the Triple Dipper, Adventures in Woke World. You're going to want to hear that one. Uh, I got some stuff in there to just curl your hair. Some will make you throw things at the radio, but don't blame the messenger. I'm just telling you it's out there and we got to deal with it. Adventures in woke world's coming up next. Um, I got to tell you, so there was one thing that Senator Britt just said that was a visual that I had not um, ever thought of before. I mean, so, so first of all, I will say this. Somebody said to me once before that with regards to fentanyl overdoses, that if any terrorist organization planted a bomb, that killed as many people as fentanyl has killed, we, we, there would be an outcry for something drastic to be done. But because people just die occasionally on the street, and the, but it all adds up. I mean, you literally had 100 people in one county in Alabama that have just died of fentanyl overdoses in the last two months. And she made the point, she said, enough people die every day from fentanyl overdoses in this, in this community or in this, this country. It's as if an airliner went down every day of the year. She said something to that effect. That's a that's a mental image that just I mean, just literally got my attention when she said it. Not about you, Boomer, but I, I just I just heard that. And I thought, wow. There's oh, an image. I mean, just
2: Yeah. And what what hits me when she said that, it was like, Okay, there's that many deaths from fentanyl, but yet we don't hear about it. No. And because we don't hear about it, that's because and then people aren't um, hyper alert. Exactly hyper alert and ready to do something about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, But but again, if that was an airplane coming down every day, people would be like, "What is happening? Somebody make it stop." They would demand answers. They and would. That's why we de- should demand answers about fentanyl. Yes, exactly. Answer is an action. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and I I did see by the way that. Um, uh, uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw and Senator Marco Rubio, I believe, are both proposing legislation to allow there to be military action against the drug cartels on our southern border. Mm. I just, that would be a whole new day would because be. they're killing more people than al-Qaeda ever did. Man, something else. All right, folks, we're taking a quick break again. We'll come right back. going to jump into some adventures in woke world. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, just plain right, covering some major ground across the northern half of the most beautiful state we call Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tars- Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Well, it's that time. It is that time. It's that time when, having surfed through the headlines As I immerse myself in what it takes to bring you a well-resourced show, I kept finding myself going, hmm, there's some wokeness right there. Wow. Oh, the wokeness in that one. Wow, look at all the woke. Well, that what that means is at some point you just gotta do it. It's time for another Adventures in Woke World.
0: Adventures in Woke World.
1: Coming right out the gate, you will be happy to know that the uh, the transgender in women's sports thing continues. I mean, so Newsmax right Newsmax has an article that came out yesterday afternoon. Minnesota judge says a trans weightlifter can compete with women. I just, I just like, I just look at this and go, yeah, that's not going to work out. So. A Minnesota judge has has ruled that a transgender weightlifter can compete in women's powerlifting competitions in his ruling in a discrimination case against USA Powerlifting, the organization. District Judge Patrick Diamond said the organization must, quote, cease and desist from all of its unfair discriminatory practices. After having previously denied transgender weightlifter J.C. Cooper access to the full and equal enjoyment of public accommodation because of sexual orientation. That's a word salad for... Uh, The dude says he's a chick, and so go ahead and let him powerlift with the other chicks who powerlift, and that's not going to work out. So yeah, Cooper is a male, born a male, uh, who filed a complaint with the Minnesota Department of Human Rights in 2019, alleging that the weightlifting or powerlifting organization had denied him his human rights. Mm. And so the quote says here... Ms. Cooper, that's, that's the dude. Ms. Cooper sees powerlifting as a way to find strength within herself and has found a home in the community of strong, supportive women who come together around a shared love of sport. I doubt it. <laughs> I, I doubt it very seriously. I doubt very seriously the other competitors are like, sure, come on in and take our medals from us and beat all of our records and give us something that we cannot attain to because you're a dude. Dude. In December 2018, Cooper got an email from the USA Powerlifting Organization stating that she could not compete because of her transgender identity and got her card revoked and everything. Here's the final of this article. By denying Cooper the right to participate in the female category, this is a quote from the judge, the category consistent with her self-identification, USAPL denied her the full and equal enjoyment of the services, support, and facilities that USAPL offers its members. That's the judge's ruling. Now, the judge does not ask the question, what about equality for the actual female members of the U.S. Uh, uh, American Powerlifting Association? I mean, what about them? What, 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 about, what about their rights to, you know, move forward in the competition that they have worked hard to be a part of? It eh, apparently doesn't matter. It's another adventure in woke world. Let me weed down in my stack here and find them. Oh, this one. Okay. Oh, my gosh. All right, so here we go. Brace yourselves. Brace, Brace yourselves. Conservatives, strap in. You ready? The Political Insider has an article dated yesterday. Headline. Arizona school board member wearing cat ears argues that hiring teachers with Christian values is concerning. You don't want to hire those Christians. They might come in there and actually... Care about the kids," says an Arizona school board member. Oh, listen, Boomer, what was that story we had a while back? Uh, what was her name? Something Saint Clair or something like that. That yeah, uh, the Indian yeah, Native American Native American neurodivergent. I something. can't even remember the whole title. <laughs> Art collective manager. You name it. That's what I got. Were. I got one to beat that to beat it. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just here you ready? All right. <laughs> okay. This is this this lady's name is Tamila Valenzuela. She's on the school board in the Washington School District in Arizona. Her bio on the Washington School District's website, her bio says she's a bilingual disabled neurodivergent queer black latina who loves a good hot wing and things that sparkle.
2: <laughs> well, That's a good hot wing. Well, I can relate. I like hot wings. So
1: yeah, okay, but I didn't know. Okay, she's she, she's a bilingual, disabled, neurodivergent, queer, black, Latina. She's just stacking them up, man. She, she's just racking them up. Well, let's see how many I can fit in my title. I didn't. I, so yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, she takes issue with the idea. How woke is this? She takes issue with the idea that the school board has been in a prior multi-year contract with Arizona Christian University to allow for the hiring of teachers out of their student teaching program. Okay. She doesn't like it. She says, while I full-heartedly believe in the religious freedom and people and, and people being able to practice whatever faith they have, I have some concerns regarding looking at this particular institution. So literally within like moments of saying that she, quote, full-heartedly believes in religious freedom, she went on to say, my concern is when I go onto Arizona Christian University's website that they're committed to Jesus Christ, accomplishing his will and his advancement on earth as in heaven. And as a parent, she has a problem with this. She says they're part of their values is to transform culture with truth, promoting the biblically informed values. I want to know how bringing in teachers from an institution that's ingrained in those values so directly impacts three of your board members who are part of the LG. So what she basically said was, I'm afraid they might make me feel uncomfortable about the fact that I'm trying to convince the world that I'm a bilingual, disabled, neurodivergent, queer, black, Latina who likes hot wings and things that sparkle. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> uh, but you know what, though? She's allowed to vote, and she's on a school board, man. Wow. Lord God. Um, let's see, which one do I want next? I'm weeding through my stack. Weeding through my stack. Which one do I want next? How about this one? This is one of those makes you want to throw things at the radio. Uh, a top official, according to the Daily Wire dateline yesterday, a top official at the Democrat National Committee on Saturday attacked critics of woke ideology as anti-black. So I guess when we get on here and laugh about woke world boomer, we're apparently anti-black. We just didn't know it.
2: Oh, um, I, did, I didn't know this.
1: Just brace yourself. So Lindy Lee is her name. Lindy Lee, spelled L-I. Lindy Lee, the women's co-chair and Mid-Atlantic regional chair at the at the Democrat National Committee, appeared on MSNBC. And you know it's you know it's gone south when MSNBC feels the need to have to caveat your statements. When MSNBC gets uncomfortable, something's gone really wrong. (laughs) So she starts off by saying, "Let's be clear: what anti-woke means? It's anti-black." And I think people are very reluctant to say it, but I don't mince any words. That's the truth. That's their way of, you know, sounding the dog whistle, which is the, the other way of saying secret racism. They're sounding the dog whistle. <laughs> um, she goes on to say, uh, it says that she targeted a series of high-profile Republicans, the CPAC, the, and, and the American Conservative Union. She said, let's not ignore the fact that CPAC has become a gathering of sexual predators. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then she went on to say, uh, former President Donald Trump is a serial rapist. At some point, it says the host of the show got uh, went into several awkward moments and then tried to clarify that this is not the network's position. <laughs> yeah. If MSNBC is having to try and wow. talk their way out of your comments, you are way, way, way out there. <laughs> All right, probably the last one before the break. Adventures in Woke... Hit that sound effect again. I just need it.
0: (laughs) Adventures in Woke World.
1: Oh, Gavin Newsom alert for all of you out in California that uh, listen to our podcast. And we know there's a bunch of you, so thank you for it. We love you on the left coast. We're We're hanging in there just hoping one day soon to rescue you. But this is the deal. Daily Caller has an article that came out yesterday. So in case you haven't heard... And by the way, I admire this. Walgreens... The, the, the pharmacy giant, Walgreens, has announced that they will not be shipping um, mifepristone, which is the abortion pill. They will not be shipping that for now until they know for a fact that whatever state they're shipping it to has a state law that allows it. In other words, they're not going to go with the whole Biden administration push of shipping it everywhere, no matter what. No, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. So thank you, Walgreens. I don't know what other policies they have in place or what their politics have been, if any. But I am thankful to hear that Walgreens has chosen to take a very pragmatic and legal approach to the question of shipping abortion pills into states that may ban it. Well, Gavin Newsom, (laughs) the governor of California, is having none of it. (laughs) This will not stand. Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom announced Monday that California will no longer do business with Walgreens or any other company that puts women's lives at risk. Let me remind you, this is the same hypocrite that put Montana on a no-fly list for state business and then went there on vacation himself. This is the same governor that, by the way, last week, last week, when his state was in the middle of an epic weather emergency, took a personal vacation to Mexico. Anyway, Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom announced Monday that California will no longer do business with Walgreens or any company that puts women's lives at risk after the company agreed not to distribute abortion-inducing drugs in certain Republican-led states. So basically, the Republicans-led states simply have a state law, which is allowed by the 10th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And the state law says don't do it and Walgreens said, you know what? That's the law. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do that. Walgreens responded to Kansas Attorney General Chris Kobach by notifying him the drug would not be offered in his state, for instance. California won't be doing business with Walgreens or any company that cowers to the extremists and puts women's lives at risk, says Newsom. <laughs> we're done. That's his phrase. We're done. Well, Alabama, Missouri, Alaska, Florida, Georgia, Texas, and several other states have all received similar confirmation that the abortion pill is not going to be offered at Walgreens in their state. And Newsom is just beside himself. If you can't kill babies at record levels by taking a pill, then the world has just gone south. Oh, wow. boy. Just boggles the mind. All right, we are in Adventures of Rogue World. I got a little more where that came from. You stay tuned. We're going to take a break right now. And then coming up top of the hour we got Erica Thomas from 1819 News. You're going to want to hear about this story. Yeah, go figure. The organization that labels hate groups has been out there attacking cops. We'll talk about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. Williams Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right. Hey, I got to tell you about one of our newest advertisers, uh, the Elm Foundation. E L M, the Elm Foundation. They're based out of Huntsville. Elm Foundation has some pretty cool mission, and they, you know, you, you hear all the time about, you know, some of these policies out there that are like, you know, enabling people to continue breaking the law or or remain homeless or or to, uh, you know, live in the drug induced environment that they've they've been perpetuating upon themselves. And the Elm Foundation sees an entirely different way of doing things. The Elm Foundation is literally out there right now doing amazing things as a 501c3 to offer people a hand up without offering them a handout. Literally giving them the skills it takes and the resources it takes to better their position in life no matter what their position is right now. And the Elm Foundation, they, they do this all across the North Alabama area and they're based out of Huntsville. And I would encourage you to check them out. I mean, so yeah, very cool. I, I I love the idea that they're doing this. And I love the idea, by the way. This is this is not government throwing money at a situation. This is an organization that has got a mission and they're going at it in what I consider to be the right way. The Elm Foundation. You can find them on their website at Elm H S V. That's E-L-M-H-S-V, as in Elm Huntsville, elmhs check them out and uh, we're glad to have them right side radio uh, sponsors um so the phones are ringing we'll see what we can get to uh I I will tell you this there's a whole lot of wokeness out there <laughs> it's a never that's why that's why this is a recurring segment uh, because it just it just never seems to end so you remember a while back when we had that situation with the um the Ministry of truth remember that the, the, the Biden administration was trying to form its own ministry of truth within the Department of Homeland Security. That went over like a turd in a punch bowl. I'm just going to go in. Did I say that? I did. Um, but uh, how about this? If at first you can't succeed, you know, fail, fail again, right? So the attorney general of Washington state is now pushing for his own state level ministry of truth. I kid you not. And critics say that it is the kind of thing that could jail conservatives who express their mainstream views. This story came off TheBlaze.com two days ago. A state attorney general, it says, is advocating for a bill that some critics argue could punish outspoken conservatives as domestic extremists. So, yeah, Jason Rantz, who often appears on uh, Fox News, uh, he's got a radio show out in Seattle. Jason Rantz said this is the most dangerous bill in legislative history. He said, Washington state is creating a state version of the ill-fated ministry of truth. And the controversial bill it says proposes the establishment of a commission on domestic violence extremism. Well, what does that mean? That means anybody who doesn't agree with what their narrative is. That's what it means. Domestic violence extremism. Well, it's of course being sponsored by Democrats. And the legislation was spawned, it says, by the attorney general's 2022 domestic terrorism study. Uh, A study that warned that effective state intervention to address the threats has the potential to implicate speech or association that may be protected by the First Amendment. In other words, we're going to do this and we know that it means we may have to get on you for your speech and we may have to get on you because you're armed. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought those were constitutionally protected. Well, apparently not when you live in Washington state. They are moving forward on this legislation And what it basically means is, in their words, the bill sponsor says, try to get to people before they get radicalized. What does that mean? The thought police. That's exactly what that means. It's unreal. All right. I pulled this one off of Red State. So... AT&T has their sponsor, Lily. You've seen her boomer, Lily? She does the AT&T commercials? Yeah. It comes across real nice, real kind of, you know, kind of innocent, kind of sweet. Yeah, apparently she's a raging liberal. And I don't mean like a little bit. I mean like she's out there trying to make sure everybody knows her positions on everything all of a sudden. Don't know why she would do this or for that matter why AT&T says, hey – Thanks for uh, gushing out your liberalism, uh, you know, and, and, and putting us in an awkward spot. So, like, here's a reminder. In 2019, Gillette decided to go ahead and run out there with their toxic masculinity ads, and it backfired in a big way. Uh, I used to use a Gillette razor. I don't anymore. Um, and a lot of men uh, used up whatever Gillette products they had and never went back. Um, well, that's what happens when corporations go woke or their spokespeople go woke and you just don't wanna deal with it. You don't wanna you don't wanna support that. So apparently Lily has gotten out there of late making sure that she's able to do her leftist scoldy rants according to this article here and and, and, and just 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 dumping her positions that nobody needs to know. And it and this is what you see often in, in, in woke world is there's a complete lack of discretion. Hey, I'm the face of AT&T. Hey, I'm the spokesperson. Hey, I'm getting paid a lot of money. Maybe now's not the time for me to tell the world that I support birthing persons in uh, and, and, and LGBTQ agendas and that uh, universal health care is a great idea and that I had an abortion and everybody needs to understand I support abortion and it's because I had one too. All I'm saying is this, woke world has no discretion meter. You know, they don't have, they don't have this this inner gauge that says, yeah, you know, not the best time. Or maybe there's a, a moment when this is the thing that I talk about, but maybe now's not that time. How about this? Maybe never. But freedom of speech, right? Go for it, Lily. Hope you stay employed. All right. We're coming right back, Erica Thomas from 1819 News calling in about a story she wrote about an attorney from the Southern Poverty Law Center who just got arrested, and boy, that's a hoot. Y'all stay tuned. We're moving on. The War on Cops is next. Y'all stay tuned. we we'll are right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right
0: you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio solid conservative and just plain right right
1: Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, we cover down on all of it. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, hour number three, inexplicably, we are already at hour number three. We've already done uh, policy versus reality, Adventures in Woke World, interview with Senator Britt. And we're moving to number three of the Triple Dipper right now. And I'm calling this the War on Cops. So if you look at the stats, I mean, just last year, uh, it was already known at that point that um, that there had been a 59% increase in the murder of police officers in the year 2021 alone. And, and in fact, uh, Chris Ray, the FBI director, said during a uh, an interview uh, about this time last year that an officer is murdered nearly once every five days, and yet it doesn't get much attention. Well, there's a story that came out of Atlanta this past weekend that really got, um, in my opinion, not near enough attention. And it was a coordinated attack by Antifa on a place that they've nicknamed Cop City. But what it basically is, is a is a future uh, training site for police and law enforcement. And uh, my friend Erica Thomas wrote a very interesting article about it. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to reach out to her and, and, and see if she's available. And sure enough, she is. So without further ado, let me welcome Erica Thomas from 1819 News. Erica, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Phil? I am. I'm good. Hey, I got to tell you a funny story, too, real quick. Uh, so last night I'm watching the news. I saw this thing about what we're about to talk about, this SPLC lawyer. I texted Jeff Poor, and I said, hey, man, have you seen this thing about the SPLC lawyer? And he goes, it's already up on 1819. I was like, oh, I <laughs> didn't even realize it was already up. Uh, you wrote that story like like super fast.
4: Well, you know that's how that's how we roll at eighteen nineteen <laughs> news. We're trying to get out those stories that really matter and people need to know about, and obviously, no one else wants to talk about.
1: Well, sure, okay, and 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 what a great segue! So, listen, this story you wrote about the SPLC lawyer. Go ahead and go ahead and lay the foundation of this thing. What what did you, what'd you find out?
4: The foundation of it is that. Uh, Uh, Initially, at this police training site in Atlanta, 35 people were detained following this coordinated attack that was obviously uh, Antifa-associated, and um, of those, 23 were charged with domestic terrorism, and one of them, interestingly enough, was SPLC attorney Thomas Juergens, and he's a staff attorney there, um, according to his LinkedIn page, which has been removed, and then... A few hours after the news broke, the SPLC came out and said, well, he was he was working for these folks. Uh, you know, he's part of trying to fight domestic hate groups and other extremists. And if you know anything about SPLC, their idea of domestic hate groups is only those hate groups that are on the right side.
1: That's exactly because,
4: right. Well, of course, they don't think that what they have done – Uh, The left extremists, what they have done is considered terror for some reason, but this is absolutely a political terrorist attack that happened. And they were destroying police property, harming officers, attempting to. They threw Molotov cocktails at them, large bricks. Uh, It was was an all-out riot. And if this would have been a group from the right side, then obviously it would be on their little map on the SPLC website. But... I seriously doubt that SPLC is going to name themselves in that list. Um, <laughs> and so now we have this this back and forth of, you know, it seems that no one wants to admit that no matter what side you're on, terrorism is not okay. Uh, their whole reason for this is they believe this training site that they're building in Atlanta, which, by the way, the main contractor on that job is Birmingham-based. It's brass and gory. Yeah. Uh, But these people that are against it, they say it's going to foster the militarization of police. And some of them are just saying that they're environmentalists that want to keep the green space. Uh, These agitators are obviously just radical left. And we've seen what these groups have done in other metropolitan areas in our country, for example, Portland, I don't know if you heard, but they can't even keep a Walmart in business anymore. Right, right. Um, but Atlanta, this is a little close to home for us. You know, this is super close to my hometown in Randolph County and close to where you are. And it's just we have to do something. We cannot sit idly by and watch this. We we can't watch these woke leftist mobs feed us their narratives in order to normalize their radical ideals. And so where we come into play here in Alabama and with 1819 News, we are going to look at what can we do to protect our own, just like that Washington State domestic terrorism bill you were just talking about. Yeah. Will, will they be able to go out of their jurisdiction and come to Alabama if you say something bad about their policies? You know, we have to look at these things ahead of time. We have to get ahead of the curve. Uh, we need to get ahead of our policies and protect our own people, especially our law enforcement, dip into penalties for those who try to harm them. We have got to. This is coming. To us, it's everywhere. So we have to do something now.
1: Wow, so great, great points, and 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 and, and so 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 well put together. So let me let me ask you a couple of questions here. In the story, so this, and, and you're right, you 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 labeled it. The Southern Poverty Law Center, you know, makes its name by suing conservatives and also by you know naming what it calls hate groups, and yet one of their staff lawyers is now arrested and charged with domestic terrorism but they they put out a statement they called him a legal observer so what does that mean mm-hmm. they're they're making sure that they throw their molotov cocktails in the proper legal fashion what 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 do they even clarify what that means
4: of course they don't clarify they're never going to clarify anything like that because they're protecting themselves and they're protecting this person who is is obviously a part of this larger movement and they're not going to Explain what they mean because they don't have to, and people believe them. Even the FBI has used them for statistics. You know, they use the data that they gather every year to put together annual reports for the FBI. Yeah, I mean, it's there. No one's going to ask them to clarify, and if they do, they they will skate around that idea as much as possible.
1: Well, and you know what also amazes me, and you said it in your article, was So this protest occurs in the Atlanta area against a future, um, you know, first responders training center. And 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 yet of all the people arrested, 23 of which have been charged with um, domestic terrorism, according to your article, uh, two were from like one was from France. One was from Canada. Only two of them were from Georgia at all. They traveled in for this opportunity.
4: Well, that's right. And another point that you just reminded me of is when we heard the defund police narrative going around and everybody wanted to to cut their police forces and not let them have guns and whatever they wanted to do. We saw how that impacted places and and it wasn't a pretty sight. So then they said, "Well, we don't really need to defund them. We need to put more money towards them to train them on how to deal with certain situations." This was a police training center that they're building in Atlanta. And they want to destroy it and and not allow it to be there. It just makes no sense. Nothing makes sense here.
1: No, it, it doesn't at all. In fact, I, I had a, a written note to myself on my on my copy of your article here that uh, President Biden said during his State of the Union address when he was sort of downplaying police uh, as as being you know effective. He said we got to get those law enforcement officers what they need to do good work, which means training allegedly, and yet here we are, and the Biden administration apparently was even caught off guard. They were asked about this, and Corrine Jean-Pierre, the glass ceiling-breaking you know, press secretary, had not even heard about the attack uh, uh, where, where domestic terrorism is being alleged against 23 people who attack this place. It's unbelievable.
4: It is. I mean, if you want things to be done right, you have to invest in your law enforcement. They are the crux of a society as we know it. And we are going to keep that here in Alabama. And I, I just have all the faith that we are going to get ahead on all of this and protect our people because that is all we can do at this point.
1: Well, great great job on the article. I was I was really tickled to see that here I was hearing about the news for the first time, and you already had your article up. So so thank you for that. And, uh, and Erica, just keep us posted if something else develops or if you hear from the SPLC, if they want to clarify, uh, send me a message, let me know. We'll get you back on, all right?
4: All right. Thank you so much, Phil.
1: Okay. Thank you. Erica Thomas, 1819 News. Um, listen, this is the whole first, the whole third segment of the Triple Dipper here today. It's called The War on Cops. And what you just heard there is is absolutely a part of what we're seeing. It has become somewhat of a uh, a fad. To attack police officers, to defund police officers, to denigrate or to embarrass or to try and, you know, make out police officers as being something other than what they really are, which are servants of the community who are designed to protect and to serve. That's what they're that's what they're they're there for is to protect and to serve. And and folks, I'm going to tell you that thin blue line. If, if you don't think they've got issues right now uh, on the streets of the United States, look at what happened this past Sunday when a mob of like 35, all of whom traveled from out of state, two of which came in from across national borders to be here, traveled to Atlanta for the sole purpose of attacking a police training site and, oh, by the way, the police that were guarding it, throwing Molotov cocktails, um, attacking them physically, 23 of which have now been arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. And one of those knuckleheads was an attorney with the Southern Poverty Law Center. And all they can say is, well, he was there as a legal observer on behalf of the National Lawyers Guild. He was a domestic terrorist, and he's been arrested. And I hope that you guys wind up getting sued for it. All right, Boomer, take me to a break. We'll take that break right now. We'll come right back, and I'm going to jump into statistics and opinions that clearly indicate that the war on cops is not imaginary. It's out there. It's real. And we'll talk about it. Phil Williams right side radio y'all stay tuned thin blue line we'll be right back Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Little Jimi Hendrix there to get you warmed up for the afternoon. Uh, Going right to the phones, I see I got a call. Is that Brian? Brian from Huntsville. How you doing, buddy?
5: I'm doing well and everything. I'm just uh, so upset about people in that Atlanta riot going up against uh, the police and everything. But um, it was very apropos that uh, somebody from the Southern Poverty Law Center is charged with domestic terrorism. I wonder if they're going to be put on a no-fly list.
1: I just, You know, I look at that and think, oh, the irony. I mean, this is the organization oh, <laughs> that actually publishes their so-called hate groups, which includes organizations like the Family Research Council and, you know, and, and who knows what the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, I don't know. But now they've got one of their own actually arrested for domestic terrorism following a violent attack on police officers. It's just, the, the irony is just like, wow.
5: Oh, it's, a, it, it's deep. And then the Molotov cocktails is a former taker and his, historian around the area. I think it was the, ben, the Finnish that made that term after some kind of a, a Soviet uh, Russian person and it was named Molotov. Don't remember the first name, but those things were used to take out armored vehicles by smashing them against the front where the driver was. And yeah. then the fluid burning would go through and burn the person or kill them. Yeah. Whoever used those, I'm sorry, in my opinion, that is attempted murder.
1: I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I'm waiting to see that The Georgia Attorney General ain't playing. Now, the, I heard the FBI is finally getting involved in this, but I, I got to look at it and think, where's the FBI been as they've been looking, they've been on the hunt for domestic terrorism and yet Antifa is, is importing people for this raid uh, in Atlanta. So then, how'd this get, yep, escape the FBI's then. radar?
5: And then from earlier, you talked about Washington making that law and everything, and they're the ones that had Portland, and everybody was throwing Molotov cocktails and that kind of thing. I'm yeah. sorry. That's attempted murder, too.
1: Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Totally. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, well see thanks, where it goes, Brian. Thanks but, for letting
5: uh, me vent. All
1: you right, brother. Me. We're there for you, man. All right. Brian from Huntsville. Appreciate the call. Hey, listen, I got I got a couple of pieces here. So this, this article I've got in my hands right now came from the New York Post in April of last year. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the stage and then I'm going to jump forward to an article that just came out. So New York Post has a piece that came out last year. The headline is, Team Biden finally admits there's a war on cops, which it is inflaming. So... Th- it points out, it says, the Biden Justice Department is finally acknowledging the war on cops as FBI commit, uh, Director Christopher Ray denounced the 59% increase in cop murders in 2021. Ray said, and I quoted it earlier, that an officer is murdered nearly once every five days and doesn't get enough attention. That's, that's FBI Director Christopher Ray last year. Well, this is an understatement, obviously. And and it goes on to point out in the article that Attorney General Merrick Garland and President Joe Biden have instead tried to focus on white supremacy as being the greatest you know threat to our national security. It's the biggest domestic threat facing us. Well, no, it's not. If you look at the stats, there is a it says white supremacist violence played no role in the record-breaking twenty-nine percent national homicide increase in twenty twenty. So where is this coming from? Well, it's coming from a narrative they need. But it goes on to point out, though, this is back in April of last year, that a significant portion of the fatalities of police officers were also ambushes. Ambushes were up by 91% at that point. Through April 26 of last year, gun murders of police officers was up 13%. Shootings of officers, lethal and non-lethal, were up by 43% overall. So, and you look at the stats, well, you know, you got that whole scary thing about how, you know, uh, black people should tell their children to be aware of police officers. Well, if you look at the stats, if you look at the stats, a police officer was 400 times more likely to be killed by a black criminal than a black citizen was to be killed by a police officer in that year. That's an amazing stat, but how about this? Let's fast forward to today. Here's an article that I, I pulled, this dated March 1st. The left's war on police rages on. It says, according to a recent report released by the Fraternal Order of Police, as of February 1st of this year, 34 police officers have been shot in the line of duty so far this year. Three of those died. Most concerningly, nine of those 30 off, 34 officers were shot in ambush-style attacks. And yet, even as most elected Democrats have now retreated from their open embrace of defund the police... They are showing a reluctance to address these attacks. Here's some stats for you. You ready? 34 police officers shot so far in 2023. That's an 89% increase from the same time period two years ago. It's a 113% increase from three years ago. It says that we, we are literally looking at 331, 346, and 312 officers shot in the line of duty in the last three years. These are records. More than 175 officers have been killed in the line of duty since 2020. The report notes that these numbers do not include incidents where the police were shot at but not injured. And it says that since the George Floyd incident in 2020, ambush-style attacks have increased. And that's all being fueled by the constant claims of racism and police brutality and, oh, by the way, defund the police and, oh, by the way, the Biden administration makes it worse. When President Biden insists during his State of the Union address that black parents should be warning their children about going out on the streets where the police officers might pick on them, that we have to retrain all these cops. I got news. It creates a narrative that promotes the harm being perpetrated on the honorable profession of law enforcement. We're going to continue this conversation when I get back. And I can see I got one caller holding through the break. So y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. Right side ruffians out there. You are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, and. Just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. And I got to say, Boomer, so you just played Sweet Home Alabama as our our intro bump uh, right there. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw it or not, but uh, the last surviving member of the original Leonard Skinner band, Gary Rossington, just passed away. Uh, Gary Rossington passed away, I think, yesterday at the age of 71. Uh, Heart attack. Um, Mm. He had had some heart issues over the last few years. Uh, But, yep that's the end of an era man that's uh the last surviving member of the original Leonard Skinner is uh is now gone on with the rest of the freebirds and um so anyway sad to say it hey i got i got i got to pause what i'm doing and tell you guys so zla solutions zla solutions man been with us since the beginning and i'm telling you zla solutions is is kicking it right now they are Literally one of the best around at putting jobs and people together. So if you are looking for a job yourself, you can go to their website. they got lots of jobs posted. You may find something right up in your wheelhouse. But the other piece is if you're an employer and you need to fill out the ranks of your workforce, again, go to ZLA Solutions' website, which is ZLAUSA.com, and they can do all the background checks, the recruiting, the drug testing if necessary. They can get you this, you know, onesies and twosies with special niche skills. Where they can find you an entire shift of people, I always like to say, blue collar, white collar, no collar, don't matter. They can they can do that for you. ZLA Solutions. I know these folks personally, and yes, they are indeed good at what they do. So uh, yeah, check them out. ZLAUSA.com. Looking for a job, or you're looking for people, they can help you with both. Um, and tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. I would appreciate that. I got a caller who held on during the break, so let me jump over there and grab that right now. Uh, Clarence from Huntsville. Clarence, how you doing? Uh-oh. Oh, we got a bad connection. Clarence, can you hear, you hear
0: us? Me? Yeah, you hear me?
1: I got you now. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, everything that you've been talking about and everything that we always talk about, especially whenever we talk about all this rioting that's happening with the, with the cops and them, you know, these people going out there doing that, and then you, you, you can trace it back to uh, what's going on with all these liberal DAs. You have to trace everything back to George Soros. Uh, and my he... question... Yeah, my question is is real simple. Why is why is nobody going after this man? He is absolute evil, and if you want to talk about an an American or a terrorist against America, that should be public enemy number one right there.
1: I, I do not disagree with the fact that he has literally been trying to tear this country apart. You know, the, 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 the problem is it's not against the law to give somebody a campaign donation. But, but what you're seeing, though, is he definitely has a concerted effort to make sure only certain types of DAs uh, get in there, They're basically the ones who won't prosecute crime.
0: Well, uh, that, problem, uh, that problem, is that not their election to duty on their part? And then the next part about it, uh, why, why don't we, as a society— you know, if you get into that that position as a DA and you're not actually trying to uphold the law, you're not doing what you were supposed to do in the first place. Why? Are, why are attorneys not not starting to be disbarred on this issue?
1: Well, it's a great point, and 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 yes, I think we are starting to see the uh, the uh, sort of the, the damn break. The, uh, the 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 city of San Francisco they recalled their George Soros uh, DA, uh, Gascon in Los Angeles barely survived a, a attempted recall. Uh, the one up in Missouri, the state attorney general just had her fired, and then the one in Baltimore, she lost her job, and she's now facing federal charges for uh, for fraud, I believe. Uh, so it's yeah, well, it's starting it, to happen.
0: Yeah, you know my, my only problem with them facing federal charges is we know who controls that system too, though. You <laughs> know, that's that's
1: half, half the battle. All we, all we can do is keep trying, though, brother. Um, hey, Clarence, thanks for hanging on, man. Good call. I got to take another you call real we'll quick for a some law, buddy. All right, see you, bud. Um Hey, uh, line two, Steve from Huntsville. Steve, how you doing today?
6: How you doing, Colonel? I'm good, sir. E4 Mafia calling back. How you doing?
1: Um, I'm good. I'm good, man. Appreciate you. What's uh, what's on your mind? Yes,
6: sir. I just got to you, – you're also a lawyer. Right. right? Uh, the the legal definition of insurrection does not match what happened on January 6th. That is correct. And my question to you would be, I mean, if you had uh, some ticked-off veterans, say 12,000 of them that were armed <laughs> and went to the Capitol, that would be an insurrection, and that would be – a tragic day in U.S. history. What happened on January 6th was nothing more than a protest and a cover-up. And unfortunately, the people that were in charge of the uh, the information coming out, and my question to you, do these folks that have been charged and convicted and are sitting in jail right now, do they have legal recourse the same as if it was just a standard trial, and the prosecution withheld evidence from the de- uh, the uh, the defense; they could be disbarred. Am I wrong?
1: I I, th- I think you're I think you're right. So so if we find out that the prosecutors themselves withheld exculpatory evidence, then then absolutely uh, those prosecutors need to be called on the carpet. Uh, one 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 you know theory that I heard was that the videos were not being released because they were being deemed classified by Congress. If that's the case, then you look at it now and go, why was it classified? But I do believe there's going to be grounds for any number of appeals. I think even that guy, the QAnon shaman, he's serving four years right now. I'd like to know, did anybody give him an opportunity to see those videos to point out that he really wasn't a threat? He was just kind of theatrical, but he wasn't a threat. He's being led around by Capitol Police. So I I think you're absolutely Right. right. I think there's also civil claims, too, Steve. I think civil claims can be brought. I think there's going to be people that are suing the government in the near future.
6: Yeah, but you know, if Congress deemed it to be classified, then isn't the only person who can declassify it the president? Uh,
1: then perhaps I don't know. It depends on what the classifying authority was. If it was classified by somebody uh, in the chain of command, then that same person, I believe, has the right to declassify. But overall, the president does have the final. Uh, I was about to say Trump card, but that's almost like a pun. It um,
6: then then how did the it, i I just I don't buy the load of uh bull hockey that they're they're feeding us because if it was classified by Congress, there would have had to been another declassifying meeting with Congress in order for a new speaker of the House to give it to Tucker Carlson.
1: Well no, I think I think once you assume the position you are the you are the new authority. And I think it's like having a new sheriff in town. So so he had the right to do what he did uh, I think Nancy Pelosi's office is the one that locked these things down beforehand, but it's his office now, so um, it, it's oh, the, it's okay. the position, I, not I the misunderstood. person. Yeah,
6: I, I misunderstood. I, I thought it was a vote of Congress where they they said, you know, this was a vote of the body, and uh, the the last few years it was it was Democrats. Obviously, they would have wanted to squash it, and. I didn't know that there was another vote taken, but if it's just the head of the office, the the speaker of the house, then that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's my understanding. Uh, but but keep an eye. Are you, I, I guess you're going to watch the second round of these videos tonight.
6: Well, nope, because I've cut my cable. Oh. <laughs> Cost too much.
1: All right, well, just uh... I,
6: I live on top of a mountain and I get fifty four channels off of uh, off of the air. I pick up Chattanooga, <laughs> nice. and I live in Huntsville, but. You know, and then we got streaming for our movies.
1: All right. Well, brother, then stay thanks tuned to tomorrow, and I'll tell and you what you. I see. All right. Love your show. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for your service. All right. Well, listen, uh, yeah, the, um, the 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 storyline last night for Tucker Carlson was just amazing, and that was part of my opening segment of the show. If you didn't hear my monologue, you can always go back and pick it up. Go to our website, org. But I did my whole monologue on um, – uh the, the fact that that last night we finally got to see what I'm calling gross lies and videotape. Gross lies and videotape were we're we're just out there and, and you know when you it's amazing what happens when you put a little sunshine on a situation. When when things come out of the shadows and the sun is allowed to shine upon it, it's amazing what you see. And we did not see anything like an insurrection. I mean so <laughs> insurrection is indeed a legal term. I have to go back and find it. Way back when they started doing this, I actually had it on the show. I pulled up the actual portion of the U.S. Code that defines insurrection. And my recollection, I'm going from memory here, is it's an attempt to overthrow a government and replace it with another. Well, this is not that. Um, and so, so, so yeah. And um, i got a caller on line three. I'll take it right before I go to the breaks. Let's do that real quick. Uh, is that Jeff? Jeff from Indiana. How you doing, brother?
7: Uh-huh. I'm in traffic south of Nashville. You tell
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then we won't even worry about how you're doing. We know how you're doing.
7: Yeah, we're doing wonderful. Uh, you know, Phil, what I want to know is uh, I-, I want to see the Capitol Police go under oath and a hearing here and see who told them what to do. As far as standing down and uh, trying to, you know, shuffling people through there and everything, that's not their duty. Uh, I,
1: I think. <laughs> I think tonight, you know, my understanding is the second round of this on Tucker Carlson tonight. He's actually going to have a former member of the Capitol Police on the show to to testify that there may have been some things that we have not been told the last couple of years.
7: Oh, surely you jest. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: uh,
7: but, I mean, I mean, you know, from, from what it, – it was basically – it was a staged – it was a protest with, with a lot of help, I'm thinking. Because, like I say, the, uh, the inside informants and people who instigated the stuff, uh, I'd like to see the January 6th committee have to go back under oath and see why they lied.
1: Oh, exactly. And see why they
7: hid information. You know, uh, I'd love to see Liz Cheney out there and try to defend her actions.
1: Well, Liz Cheney's got a cush job now being a professor at University of Virginia. Adam Kinzinger is now a CNN pundit. And, uh, you know, it just, it just boggles the mind, the things that they were allowed to say that had no bearing on reality. Like, I, you know, what's his name? Benny Thompson, I believe it is, who was the head of the commission. This is all about racism. No, it wasn't. What are we talking about? Um, it just... yeah.
7: Uh, uh, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, this racism stuff's step, got to stop too. I, 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 I'm not allowed. I'm, I'm not going to allow anybody to ever bring race into anything anymore because it's just a sham. <laughs> it just, if you start talking about it, it's going to shut them down.
1: Well, and, them, you know. and 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 this 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 whole this whole narrative of having an insurrection and and all the things that they they edited the videos to to make it fit their their positions and it was the idea that they're going to I mean I I get it some bad things happened and it shouldn't have gone down that way and it should have it should not have been a day where they push their way into the Capitol but when the doors are being opened and you're being waved in I mean for the love if there's a problem then the yeah. police need to take action and not be a part of the problem.
7: Yeah. And also what I'd love to see is somebody to start asking these news organizations that that backed up this narrative and everything, they need to start being questioned on it every day. You know, people hollering out to the reporters, you know, how come you covered this up? How come you did this? How come you did that? You know, because they're, they're not paying any brunt to this and they're not going to cover it. So uh, I think people need to step in there and make it so that they can't get away from it.
1: Well, you know, right now too, CNN is doing all they can to downplay Fox, having this narrative going, (laughs) and they're they're talking about how Fox is trying to change the the positions of the. It's just it's awful. Hey Jeff, we got to run to a break, brother. You be careful on the roads, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, man. All right, Boomer, take me to the last break of the day, buddy. We'll do that. We'll come right back. Put a lid on this one. Another day in the hopper, Phil Williams right side radio you guys stay tuned we will be right back We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. I'm just telling you, we are making it cool to be a conservative right here at Right Side Radio. Hey, let me tell you, too, what else is cool, Just Love Coffee Cafe. So Just Love Coffee Cafe with two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Listen, if you want an environment worth hanging out in, they offer that. So do they have award-winning coffee? Yeah, it's Just Love Coffee Cafe. Do they have great food? Oh, indeed they do. I just had one of our listeners send me a picture of her lunch yesterday, which was pretty cool. Uh, So the food, the, the beverages, absolutely, top notch. But Just Love Coffee Cafe also does what they can to set up an environment where you feel like hanging out. They've literally got a place with the Wi-Fi and the and the and the you know the desk type stations where you can work and, and eat. They've got you know plenty of tables for you to enjoy time with your friends. Just, just all said and done, they go out of their way to creating them. And I've been to both locations: Hughes Road in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. But but I've been to both, and both of them are set up in such a way that you you go and it's not just about the food; it's about having a place where you want to be. And so I would encourage you check it out. If you're one of those remote workers or somebody that needs a break during the day, this might be the place to go and just put your put your feet up a little bit, have a cappuccino or a latte, and and get yourself something to eat and just enjoy the environment because that's a part of what Just Love Coffee Cafe is all about. Two locations: Hughes Road in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. And do me a favor and tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. So yeah, tonight is the. Um, the second tranche of documents, or not documents, videos. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear. Obviously, uh, apparently, we're gonna s- see more about the videos that were not released to the public for the last two years in the state in the U.S. Capitol. But we're also gonna be hearing, I believe, from a Capitol police officer who's gonna testify firsthand as to what was and was not occurring, and we might even hear some of the narrative of, of you know. Um, why was it that the National Guard was offered but declined by the Speaker's office? Hmm. Yeah. it's uh. There's, there's stuff coming out right now that's, you know, they're scrambling. When you can look up on CNN, like I did a minute ago in the studio, and you can see uh, right now on CNN, or, or just a few minutes ago on CNN, they were basically running a ticker and a storyline that talked about how Fox is out there trying to, Reverse the narrative and and downplay the events of January 6th. How about this? Maybe y'all upplayed them for the last two and a half years. Uh, I had some great texts come in, by the way. I have to touch over to the. T- I didn't get a chance to do much in the text line for the last hour, but uh, I I I love this. So, with regards to things that came out in woke world when I did the segment, on Ventures of woke world. Lonnie from Huntsville says I had a distressed couple tell me there's a son. Their son is attending a school where one of the students identifies as a cat. They call them furries. I told him to tell the principal her son was allergic to cats and couldn't be on the bus, in the lunchroom, or the gymnasium with the cat and then forced the principal to choose the reality he wants to live with. <laughs> that is just good. Uh, uh, Jason from Huntsville must not have heard the early part of the show because he's telling me, how about the January 6th footage? Did you see that? Holy moly. And he says, he points out, he says, the QAnon shaman went through the whole building escorted, in quotes, by at least two Capitol Police officers who opened the doors for him and explained different areas to him and so much insurrection. And uh, yeah, Jason, the uh, first part of the show, if you want to catch it on podcast, my monologue at the very beginning was on this very topic. And uh, yes, I will cover it again tomorrow, depending on what comes out tonight. Uh, Amy from Rainbow City just texted in, says, my understanding is the arrest of the protesters in Atlanta will not deter continued protests against the police facility. Not sure the individual protesters have been identified yet. They have been, by the way. They have been with, they've been named, and they also, by the way, have their mug shots up. You can see them. Says, not sure the individual protesters have been identified yet, but I would guess they are from Antifa. Yes, they are, which is often wealthy college students being educated by our and liberal colleges we need legislators with courage to defund DEI and liberal college education. Amy in Rainbow City, appreciate you. You're a right-side ruffian. Uh, Dustin from Hazel Green said, uh, don't buy the cat thing about – about." <laughs> it's a different story. It's a different story. He's telling me don't buy the cat, the school thing. It's real. They call themselves furries. I don't know whether you have somebody you know, doing the whole thing with the, with the litter box in the bathroom, but I'm just telling you, there are kids out there. Uh, that are coming to school uh, claiming to be a kitty cat and whatever else. Uh, what else have I got here on the text line? Uh, Glenn from Bluntsville, with regards to the whole thing I said earlier about, you know, in Woke World, about Gillette doing its whole uh, attacks on masculinity. Uh, Glenn from Bluntsville said, I'd rather shave with a clamshell with a bumblebee inside it, like Fred Flintstone <laughs> did, than to use a Gillette product. <laughs> Oh, we got an awesome audience, Boomer. Awesome. Oh, anyway, okay, lots of stuff, lots of stuff. The text lines continue to be open. You're welcome to text after the fact, and we'll try to get to them when we can. But in the meantime, thank you to this amazing audience for making this show amazing. We couldn't do it without you. There ain't no reason to have a show if there ain't nobody out there listening. And from the amount of participation we get from this audience, we know you are there, and we do not take that for granted, not, not for a second. Every single day, I hope you come on this show and you hear us do what I call the four E's, educate, enlighten, empower, and entertain you so you know what it means to be able to walk around as a conservative and have answers to the questions. All right, folks, Phil Williams and Boomer signing off. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 2. Y'all have an amazing night. out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right.